Recently, I talked with a friend who purchased a car from a relatively new company called Carvana. He found the exact car that he wanted on their website, and he told me that he completed the entire transaction on his phone. Could you imagine buying a vehicle on your phone? But that's what so many are able to do today with the age of modern technology. When he, he even did his financing and everything. When, he came, uh, when it came time for him to pick up his car, he drove up to the Carvana, Carvana I'm, you got it, site up there in Scott's Edition, and they have this tower, if you've ever been by it, they have this tower that looks like a 10-story vending machine, and it's full of cars of all different colors and models and makes and everything. And he said when he got there, they gave him a token, and he put the token in a slot, and then he got to watch his car cycle down the giant vending machine, and then it came out, and they gave him his keys, and he drove it home. What is that? I mean, for I can remember as a kid going to the vending machine, and you had to figure out, okay, it's A11 for the Snicker bar, and I have to push A11 and, and, and then watch the swirly thing bring out my Snicker bar or nab, and it would plop down in the bottom, and then hopefully didn't get your hand stuck in the bottom pulling out. It's amazing the way that consumers are able to have ownership of what they purchase. You may have seen this same concept play out over the last six months or so through Burger King's you rule advertising campaign. The idea is that the customer calls the shots. Their advertising jingle picks up on the one that they birthed back in 1973, 1974, have it your way, right? And back then, they were pioneering in custom orders where you could go to a fast food restaurant and tell them how you wanted it cooked. They were competing against McDonald's, who had a menu system that was pretty much systemized all across their franchises, and it was very challenging to order something outside of that. And Bur Burger King has figured out this market niche, and they have just built on it over the years. By the way, in McDonald's credit, they're doing a whole lot better at customizing things. Last week, as I was traveling home from being with my mom, by the way, thanks for praying for her. She had surgery, and she's doing well. But I was driving back, and I stopped and went through the McDonald's, and I ordered the two cheeseburger meal with no onions. came out perfect in a timely fashion. So they've gotten it, but Burger King has really pioneered this concept. So they are now going a step further saying, you rule. Have it your way. You rule. Customer is king. 
You are the kings and queens of your domain. You are in control. You are Lord over whatever you want. And I, I, I believe that this is pervasive in our society, that we're, we're almost a people who are isolated and independent in what we want, and we don't often care as much about what God wants or what other people want. It's all about us. I would like to suggest that this mindset is quite the opposite of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me, Luke 9, 23. He said, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted, Luke 14, 11. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, turn the other cheek. If someone asks for your coat, give your shirt too. Walk the second mile, love your enemies, and so forth, Matthew 5, 38 and following. He said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And in Mark, that's Mark 9, uh, 10, 21. And in Mark 9, 35, Jesus said, if anyone wants to be first, he or she must be very last and the servant of all. Instead of have it my way, I rule with Jesus in mind. Jesus said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Isaiah 55, 7 and 8, God's word to Isaiah to the people, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, first, and neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and, your, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So when a person becomes a Christian, it's totally the opposite of We become a new person with a new perspective. We have been transformed spiritually, have been given a fresh start in a renewed sense of purpose. We no longer rule our lives because we've surrendered our lives to God and we have said, Jesus is Lord. God, you are sovereign over my life. You rule. I surrender my all to you as the hymn writer says. The Apostle Paul explains that this is not of our own doing or power. He writes in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. When we think of Christian baptism, it is symbolic of all of this, of this surrender to God. Baptism does not save us. There is scripture that says we are saved through baptism, but baptism is symbolic of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, of us dying to sin and living new life in Jesus Christ. So in a way, this symbol of baptism helps paint a picture of how we are saved, but the act of baptism itself is symbolic. It, it in and of itself does not save us. 
It is purely a symbol of being born to new life through faith in Jesus Christ as we have turned our lives over to God and seek to walk in God's ways and to think God's thoughts. So for the rest of our time this morning, I'd like to talk about the significance of Christian baptism and its role in our daily lives. Let me do a little bit of application here. As Paul the Apostle in his letter to the Romans expresses the truth that baptism is symbolic of the death of the old self and new life afforded through Jesus' death and resurrection. We are changed, and baptism is that step that helps us to demonstrate that through our actions. Why do we, why do we experience baptism? Why is it important to us? I would say first, if you're taking notes, you can jot these down in, in your bulletin, and they'll be on our website as well this morning. But we are baptized because Jesus himself was baptized. Jesus himself experienced baptism, and he commanded baptism. The, the latter of the two you heard Aaron read earlier in the service from the Great Commission. But Jesus, if you remember in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 15, he came to the Jordan to be baptized by John the baptizer. And John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? And Jesus replied, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented to baptize Jesus. Jesus wasn't sinful. Jesus was perfect in every sense of the word in heaven. But he submitted to baptism out of obedience to the Father and to set an example for others. If it was good enough for Jesus, well, it must be good enough for you. So he submitted to it. He experienced it. And then he commanded later, after his resurrection, that his disciples were to go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and to teach them everything that Jesus had commanded them. That's the Great Commission. So we are baptized because Jesus himself went through it and then he gave us the command. Second, I want to help us to know that believers' baptism is an outward symbol of a Christian's inward transformation. When we are baptized in the baptistry or whether it's in a river, maybe some of you are baptized in a creek out in the country or in a pond. I have baptized over the years in a swimming pool. I've baptized in a hospital. Uh, one, uh, I remember vividly one time uh, when at my former church, a Caritas guest who was staying at our church came to faith in Christ, and our church had a special baptismal service for her at the sanctuary, and she could not physically go into the pool, so we poured water over her right there in front of the sanctuary, just like it would be right now. There are so many ways that we can experience baptism, and whatever way that is, it's an outward symbol of a Christian's inward transformation. Verses 5 through 7 of our text for today 
where Paul writes, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we would no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And then he writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Baptism expresses all of that. Can you be a Christian without going through baptism? Absolutely. Baptism is not a prerequisite to salvation. It is a symbol following one's decision to become a disciple of Jesus. But, oh, it's so important. And let me encourage you, if you have not, if you're a believer and you have not experienced it, I'd love to talk with you about taking it. There are a few ways in our time that we have that people express their personal life-changing experiences in baptism. You remember the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, where the eunuch was coming along uh, down uh, the road, heading south towards Ethiopia, where he was from, and trying to understand uh, the prophets. And God instructed Philip to go nearby. And then Philip was able to help the eunuch understand what he was reading and share what it meant to be a person of faith in Jesus Christ. And then the eunuch said, what's keeping me from being baptized? And so they found some water, got off the chariot, and Philip baptized the Ethiopian right there. And the Ethiopian eunuch was pivotal in the gospel being taken to the continent of Africa. An amazing story. Or what about Saul, who became Paul? He was a persecutor of Christians, a murderer, on the road to Damascus to continue his path of destruction and devastation. And while on that path, God spoke to him. A light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, Saul said. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what to do. And as he got up, he could not see, and his fellow travelers had to help him to arrive at his destination. And in the meantime, God had appointed a man named Ananias to deliver a message to Saul and then to baptize him. And Ananias said to him, the Lord Jesus, whom you saw on the road, has sent me to you that you might see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell off of Paul, Saul's eyes, and he could see again. And he got up and he was baptized. And then after taking some food, he regained his strength. And then he ended up, as you know, going on numerous missionary journeys and is responsible for about half of the New Testament books. A wonderful baptismal experience. Ruth Graham, the wife of Billy Graham, she says she could really remember a specific point of her salvation she could not remember a time when she became a Christian. She grew up in the home of a pastor. And she said, I don't remember not feeling close to God. But she knew at some point, and she quietly surrendered her life to Jesus Christ and was demonstrated that in baptism. 
And then finally, there's a well-known Baptist of the late 1800s named John Stampy. Bill Chuck writes about this in one of his books. And he, he said that as a young man, he had no peace in his heart. No one could give him the answers that he needed. He would lay awake at night struggling. And one night, he'd lie in his bed, and he cried out to God, and he gives the following account. In depression, I lifted my eyes up and began to talk in a whisper to the Savior. I said to him, Lord Jesus, I do not know what to do. I have prayed but get no relief. I have read the Bible, but my sins are still a burden on my soul. I have listened to preaching, but I can find no help. I do not know what else to do except to turn it over, turn it all over to you. Then something happened. He said, it seemed that a great presence filled the room, and it was almost like an audible voice saying this, quote, my son, I have been waiting on you to do what you have just done. You can count on me to save you. I will not fail you. And John Stampy said, my pillow was wet with tears of joy that Christ Jesus is now my personal Savior. Those are examples of how God came into someone's life, and they were transformed. I imagine if we had time that we could hear story after story of how God has worked in your life. In fact, at the end of the message, I have some time for stories. But baptism is symbolic of those stories. When we are baptized, we are demonstrating an act of faith, proclaiming to others what God has done in our lives. The last two are very quick. Third, baptism signifies inclusion in the covenant community. That means when you are baptized, you are a member of this church, a member of the family of God, and you, be, you become part of the family of God. Amen. And you can outgrow Baptist Church if you want to, but individually members of it, each with a unique assignment. Here at Huguenot Road Baptist Church, if a person is a new convert to Christianity, brand new Christian, just having made a profession of faith, we ask that person to experience baptism by immersion. And we celebrate that day. If someone is a, a committed Christian from another uh, Baptist church or another denomination or another Christian tradition, we honor their baptism. And I'm so thankful that in January of this year, our church changed its governing document to receive Christians from all denominations and traditions as members without requiring them to go back through and be rebaptized. We are saying that your statement of faith and your journey with Jesus is enough. And we welcome you into this family. And I'm thankful that our church I encourage people if they're if they've not experienced immersion, I, I encourage them to have that choice. And if they'd like to do that, that's fine. But if not, we welcome them in to our membership. 
and in your bulletin if you're interested in knowing the different ways that you can become a member of our church. We've had that in there since the beginning of this year, that people come to faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord in believer's baptism by immersion and, and become members of our church or to come and transfer of membership to another Christian church having been baptized uh, previously or statement of faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord having previously experienced baptism. You know, sometimes people come to us and say, Pastor, my home church closed. It merged or whatever, or they don't have a letter. And, and so uh, they come on their statement of faith in Jesus Christ and on that letter. And some others can come by watch care where they're able to be in fellowship with us here at HRBC while they uh, maintain their church membership in a previous church. And so I encourage you to look at those. And if you are a person who's considering uniting with our congregation, why well, I'd love to talk with you further about what that means and to take those next steps with you. Because as baptized believers and board members, we are on mission with Jesus. We have a job to do. We have a great commission to follow where Jesus said, go therefore, make disciples of all the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Our God-sized dream for discipleship uh, picks up this mission and says that we exist to make fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. And we hope to fulfill this mission through our God-sized dream of outreach where we have a statement that says everyone, meaning all of us, everyone is passionate and prepared to share their faith story. Okay, now for your homework. Word of mouth is the best advertising. I encourage you to write your faith story. Use pen and paper or computer, whatever works for you, or dictate it into your phone. Start this week. And set a goal by the end of summer to have it done. This will help you and me as we encounter others who might not know Jesus or might be on the fence or might be cynical about religion. And if we're confident in how God has worked in our lives, that we would be better equipped to share our faith story in a caring, non-judgmental, loving way with others. I would love to sit down and talk with you about your story. So when you get it finished, reach out to me, let me know. And maybe it would be something that we could share in worship as a testimony or on our website or in one of our communications like the Rose Book Reviews letter or milestones or something like that. But I would love to hear your story, every one of you. You may say, Pastor, I haven't become a Christian. I'm a Christian, but I haven't been baptized yet. And that's okay. Let God meet you right where you are. And then start that next chapter in your life story. And trust that God will guide and lead you beyond this year.